This podcast is sponsored by Project Dragonfly, a master's degree program offered by Miami University dedicated to ecological and social change. Project Dragonfly offers a part-time Master's of Arts in Biology degree focused on conservation or a Master's of Arts in Teaching for teachers. The program is designed for working professionals and can be completed from anywhere in the United States. Learn more at projectdragonfly.miamioh.edu. Hi, everyone. We've got a handful of headlines for today's Pelicanus News. I've categorized them into drawdown, wildlife, and legal. These stories are truly incredible and reminders to me that conservation can actually work. First category of drawdown, we've got a couple here. Uh, This first one's coming out of APnews.com. Two large offshore wind sites sending power to U.S. grid for the first time. For the first time in the United States, turbines are sending electricity to the grid from the sites of two large offshore wind farms. The joint owners of the Vineyard Wind Project, Avangrid and Copenhagen Infrastructure Partners, announced the first electricity from one turbine at what will be a 62-turbine wind farm 15 miles off the coast of Massachusetts. Five turbines are installed there. One turbine delivered about 5 megawatts of power to the Massachusetts grid just before midnight uh, a couple Wednesdays ago. The other four are undergoing testing and should be operating early uh, this year, Danish wind energy developer Orsted and the utility Eversource announced last month that their first turbine was sending electricity from what will be a 12-turbine wind farm, South Fork Wind, 35 miles east of Montauk Point, New York. Now, a total of five turbines have been installed there, too. Second story coming from electrek.co. EPA announces $1 billion in grant funding for electric school buses. The Environmental Protection Agency has announced nearly $1 billion in grant funding for electric school buses across the United States, enough for more than 2,700 clean buses. 67 applicants have been selected for funding in 280 school districts serving over 7 million students across 37 states. School districts in low-income, rural, and or tribal communities make up around 86% of the projects that will receive the grant money. This is the second round of funding under a $5 billion program that's part of the 2021 Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. With today's announcement, uh, EPA's Clean School Bus Program has been awarded nearly $2 billion and funded approximately 5,000 electric and low-emission school buses across United States states okay second category wildlife first one first story coming out of the guardian.com seagrass resurgence offers ray of hope for florida's hard-hit manatees a picturesque expanse of water along florida's space coast is offering a modicum of hope for the state's embattled manatees as wildlife officials review whether to restore the beloved sea cows to the endangered species list The recovery of seagrass, the manatee's favorite food, in Mosquito Lagoon means that an emergency hand-feeding program that has kept many of the starving aquatic animals alive over the last two winters can be discontinued, at least temporarily. While scientists say this might only be a small step in the wider fight to rescue a species that has seen a record die-off in recent years from water pollution and habitat loss, what's happened at Mosquito, Mosquito Lagoon offers signposts to how the manatee's battle for survival might ultimately be won. 
Last story in wildlife. This one's coming out of HakaiMagazine.com. Humpbacks rebound in 20th century whaling hotspot. Um, this is a really long article um, that's telling a story that's over 150 years old. Um, so I try to cut it down pretty dramatically, but it might be a little choppy, so let's try it. In November 1904, Norwegian explorer Carl Anton Larsen landed in South Georgia, a remote island roughly 1,800 kilometers east of the tip of South America. By the 1920s, humpback whales were scarce due to an intense, due to intense whaling. Finally, in 1966, whaling ceased on the island in part because so few animals were left. For nearly half a century afterward, humpbacks were rarely spotted in the area. But starting about a decade ago, humpbacks began to show up again, and their numbers have kept growing. According to a recent study, the species have recovered to near pre-whaling levels in Cumberland Bay. Now we're seeing what that restoration looks like, uh, scientist uh, Jackson says. That's pretty exciting. Most of the humpbacks that feed around South Georgia migrate from east, sorry, from the coast of Brazil, where they breed during the winter. Ted Cheeseman, a California-based biologist who wasn't involved in the research, suggests that whaling may have wiped out the South Georgian population so thoroughly that no individuals were left to remember the area's prime feeding ground. Whales, particularly humpbacks, are capable of amazing feats of recovery, says study co-author Emma Carroll, a molecular ecologist who studies whales at New Zealand's University of Auckland. I think it's just an amazing example of how conservation can work. Kind of sounds like the tagline to this show. All right, last category of legal. This one's coming out of eenews.net. Um, we've been paying attention to this story for a couple of years now, uh, and it just keeps getting better and better. Supreme Court rejects pebble mine climate and water cases. The Supreme Court has rebuffed a plea by the state of Alaska to revisit a federal veto of a massive mine an attempt by oil companies to extract themselves from a climate lawsuit and a petition from West Coast farmers seeking more water from the Klamath River Basin. In a long list of orders released, the High Court declined to take up Alaska versus United States in an unusual request from the last frontier to skip the lower courts and have the justices directly step in to reverse the EPA's veto of the proposed pebble, copper, and gold mine in the pristine Bristol Bay watershed, home to one of the world's premier salmon fisheries. The decision, marking another chapter in the Pebble Mine saga, deals a significant blow to Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy, a Republican whose administration asked the High Court in July to undo the EPA's move to block pebble and similar extraction projects on state land in southwestern Alaska. Alaska officials have argued that the EPA's veto, issued under a rarely used Clean Water Act authority, trampled over the state's sovereignty and ability to regulate its land and waters. EPA in January exercised its authority to block the project via Section 404C of the Clean Water Act, a portion of the law that allows the agency to bar areas from being used as disposal sites, the South Fork Cocktooley River and the North Fork Cocktooley River watersheds in the case of Pebble. Man, that's huge. That's been a long time coming. And uh, hopefully this keeps that area protected for a while longer. All right. I hope these stories bring some optimism and lightness to your month. And I really look forward to sharing more 
in the future.